coming up on this week's episode of the Big Footy Podcast. Mike tells us why the Blues are going to win the Premiership. Shandog tells us why Patrick Cripps is going to win the Rising Star. I'll tell you why Mark Murphy's going to win the Brownlow. Uh, seriously, we have a lot of AFL news to get through. All that and more coming right up. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Big Footy Podcast. I have here tonight my usual compatriot in uh, Seppo. Good evening. Good evening and welcome. And joining us for the first time in a couple of weeks, we've got Shandog. Howdy. Hey, hey. I, see, I've forgotten how to speak. What's going on? <laughs> it's it's hey, fu- funny how you were fine right up until we started recording. So. <laughs> 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 Uh, Messenger, obviously not here. He says he's got parenting to do. Um, I think he's watching The Notebook. Um, That's just what I'm told anyway. uh, Mike having some technical difficulties, but we might get him on later. Of course, later on tonight as well, I'll be talking to some people from the AFL Fans Association about uh, their plans and what they think about the year, and we'll, we'll go into some discussion about that a bit later on in the program. But for now, guys, what were your highlights from the weekend? We'll start with Seppo. Uh, my highlight was obviously uh, watching a Thursday night game and watching Frio take on Collingwood in a, a good battle. Um, it was a, a surprising result. I really thought it'd be close, but not that close. But good to see us uh, get another a win and still play badly for three quarters and just turn it on the last. So that was my highlight to see that another win against uh, another better quality side. Yep. And... Uh... What about you, Shandle? Um, look, I'd, I'd like to say Carlton getting over uh, the Gold Coast, but to be honest with you, I was a bit more interested in, at the time and um, was quite happy to see Richmond get over Sydney just because it sort of keeps things mixed up around the top. And yeah, I'm just like, I'm liking the, um, you know, the, I get the impression these days that uh, just about anyone can beat anyone on any given day. So... It's just, I'm enjoying watching little up, upsets happen every now and again. Yeah. Well, Richmond and Bowl, they can beat anyone and they can also lose to anyone, so it's always yeah, fun. exactly. That's exactly <laughs> it. Uh, my highlight for the weekend, of course, would have been Carlton's win on the weekend. I know Shandog, he's, he likes upsets and things like that. I like to see my team win. <laughs> and uh... Also, we, we broke the power rankings as well. <laughs> um, if anyone's kept up with that uh, thread on the main board, uh, I, I uh, every now and again would, would flick back and have a look at that. I wasn't an avid follower of it, but uh, after the Gold Coast game, um, uh, Robe, uh, the the user doing those power rankings, is uh, thrown in the towel <laughs> yes. um, after so many years. So that was also really, that was probably my highlight. Actually, I'll, I'll take that back. That that was my highlight for the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Carlton obviously winning on the weekend, second win in a row. Um, hopefully we can string a third one up against the Bulldogs on the weekend, but uh, definitely my highlight for the weekend, just Blues playing with some fire and some good footy, uh, running footy, exciting footy, and ultimately that's what you want to see. The crowds were back. It was a good time. I'm not going to go on and on about it, but um, I could, but I won't. You were doing a good job. <laughs> <laughs> so on to some news for the week, and uh, first up, of course, I think the thing that's grabbed everyone's headlines this week is the situation at the Gold Coast Suns where a statement from Carmichael Hunt was leaked to the media and uh, the Herald Sun published it on Sunday, uh, but they didn't name any names, which was very nice of them for a change. And (laughs) (laughs) here's uh, the the Queensland Crime Commission released a statement today uh, saying that the ongoing investigation into uh, into a cocaine trafficking syndicate that has rocked Gold Coast is unlikely to snare any of the Suns players. Um, basically, this is a statement. Uh, it turns out that the uh, statement from Carmichael Hunt is a leak of the first one that he gave out, like the, the statement that he gave out originally, and one that the Queensland Crime Commission already said that there was no further action to be taken after they'd charged a number of NRL players. Guys, how have you seen the reporting for this in the last couple of days? Well, I think it's quite good that there's no sort of list of players that have gone out there that have been identified. He hasn't sort of publicly come out and sort of pinned the target on anyone. But it's, um, yeah, I think it's handled quite well and it's good because I don't actually want to hear it. It's not like the Essendon 
saga that this recreational drug issue is something they can just handle in-house and we probably need to be aware of it, but nothing more than what's been said so far. So I think it's good how it's been handled. If we can just sort of run along and the players cop a, a first strike, second strike, we didn't need to know and just move on from that. Yeah, I've got to agree with Seppo. I don't think the specifics of it are really that interesting to me. I mean, maybe to some people, and that's fair enough, especially if you're a follower of the club, you might want to know a bit more detail about it. But I'm, I'm probably more interested in um, the, the sort of the related reports about cultural issues and, and team splits and stuff like that. I'd rather sort of know a bit more about how much truth there is to that and, and what the um, the situation is there. It's kind of a related thing to this, I suppose. But um, like you said, look, the, um, Seppo, the, the specifics of who's doing recreational drugs and stuff is just extremely unappealing to me. I, mm. I have no desire to know that whatsoever. It's very tabloid stuff. It's kind of stuff you expect is, in, yeah. uh, in like the Daily Mail or something like that. But the Herald yeah, Sun these days, yeah. yeah it's, well, I mean, that's any, it. any Murdoch so. newspaper these days, apparently. But, uh, yeah, I'm not sure we really need to know who's taking recreational drugs unless they're trafficking them or doing something highly illegal in that regard. You know, maybe standing outside a primary school, handing them out, you know. <laughs> I don't know. Snorting it off it's, a dead prostitute. Sure, yeah. tell yeah, me no. about that. But, you know, otherwise... It'd be interesting if, if a, a competing club was obviously looking to negotiate a trade with Gold Coast, and obviously there's no implications about trading in a player that's come from the Gold Coast, and if any sort of charges are put forward, you'd, you'd want to know if there's any disclosure to that person or if they'd have a conversation directly with that player saying, look, we want you at our club and we're going to trade you, but we want to know if you're part of this uh, dodgy dealings or if you've got a background. If a player withholds it, I wonder what type of a situation you'd be left in or if it's everything, anything like that's happened before with a club. Yeah, I don't know. Probably not in recent times. There's a mm. lot of scrutiny on these things these days. But, yeah, I, I just think um, we just don't need to know what the players are doing with their personal lives and unless it affects other people. Mm. So that was uh, fun. I've lost my place. believe they had fun, yes. <laughs> That's right. And they're losing their place. <laughs> so the upshot, boom, boom. Of, the upshot of it is, is the players don't have anything to worry about in terms of being charged for the time being um, and there probably won't be any further charges if the Queensland Crime Commission statement is correct. On to the second piece of news for the week that probably captured a few people uh, Ross Lyon meeting with Carlton's, uh, Carlton board member Ken Sheldon uh, who did, I didn't even know was on the board at Carlton but apparently is uh, oh, the, the coach selection panel not sorry, the Sorry, the coach selection yeah. panel um Shandog, what can you tell us about this? I'll say, yeah, I mean, there was a few questions thrown at um, uh, line about whether or who, why they were talking, you know, are they, uh, was Sheldon sort of talking to, to Ross Lyon about coaching or was it the assistants and that sort of thing? Um, and I think from what we were talking about earlier, um, Wook, you, you were talking about off air about um, them wanting to hit up senior coaches to make sure that they can... Um, interview any possible assistant coaches out there for the future Carlton coach job and I think that's probably all it was really and um, it was at uh, Lloyd is the likely candidate out at Freo who you might be able to tell us a bit more about him Sevo. Yeah Simon Lloyd's probably one of our more experienced assistant coaches there and one that I'd hate to lose but he's probably the more qualified for a position to make the step up I'm not sure what type of uh, coaching background he has and what he's doing at the moment with um, I know Brett Kirk's doing some type of a AFL-sanctioned coaching course, and I'm sure Lloyd's probably sought after by a lot of people, but it'd be interesting to see if um, he does publicly state that he, he, he wants to step up and wants a, a head coaching job from being an assistant mm. for many years. I think he's been in our club now for four to five years mm. in that role, and we've already lost uh, Chris Scott. He was the assistant couple of years ago before he went to Geelong, so we've lost uh, one of our other assistants to a head coaching gig Previously, um, it'll be interesting just to see if um, they're also looking at Sumich as well, or even Brett Kirk himself. Who, Brett Kirk's a, a, a type of player that I reckon would be um, fantastic as a head coach for Freo after Lyon leaves. And um, yeah, it's uh, a quite interesting that even just the build-up to this story. How I've noticed a lot of uh, Perth media and people on Twitter was uh, talking about Lyon linked to Carlton on a meeting, and they just sort of built it up so much that you could just tell that it would be a a load of absolute nothing and trying to suck people in to watch their news segment and 
everyone was all over it straight away and they thought they had an exclusive and all of a sudden all the papers and other news stations are already come out going, oh, it's just a normal catch-up, speaking about something else and sort of shot them down. I do like the way that the... uh, yeah, it's the prospect of that um, of of lion like defecting again. Yeah, it's just yeah. sending everyone's <laughs> brains like into melt mode. But yep. Carlton did say that this was how they were going to do things. Like instead of going and approaching the assistant coaches straight off the bat and talking to them while they're still contracted, that they were going to talk to senior officials at the clubs involved first. So this heaven well, forbid we're going to do something genuine like uh, you know in an appropriate manner this and they said this months like a month ago so i'm i don't know why people aren't paying attention to this like it's the same thing with the gold coast stuff like all this reporting on the weekend could have simply been ripped up with well this is a statement from a month ago and the crime commission already addressed it carlton already said this was how they were going to do things a month ago yeah i think this is article because it's lying if if they went to another um you know, coach somewhere else, you know, Chris or Brad Scott, and they had a meeting, you wouldn't get the same type of reaction. So I think it's it's that underlying issue that Ross Lyon and the way he left St Kilda, that yep. people are trying to get a story out of it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, moving along, because uh, we have a lot to get through in a very short period of time tonight, but uh, the match review panel on the weekend, the Carlton are a little bit uh, confused by the match review panel. I think after... Uh, Bryce Gibbs' suspension for a tackle uh, where the player hit his head on the ground and knocked himself out, uh, Robbie Gray. And there was a a tackle that was shown on AFL 360 this week, which was almost identical, except the player didn't hit his head on the ground and uh, no action was taken. But I don't think that's what's baffling Carlton. I think what's baffling them is that uh, the suspension's handed to Lance Franklin and Kurt Tippett for one game each, which the Swans gleefully took as soon as that was like, <laughs> They probably accepted it even before it came out. In the it like, we get a game, that's it, we're taking it. Have a week off, you know. The bit that annoys me all this is how they came to the conclusion that it was careless conduct. And, you know, medium impact or the, the height, contact to the head, you can't dispute that. But the fact that they chose to classify it as careless conduct will just be absolutely laughable if they try and slot that into the DVD for rules next year going, ladies and gentlemen, what Buddy did is careless conduct. If you do that, you'll be graded (laughs) as careless. Because if that wasn't intentional, I'll eat my own hat. Because it's just ridiculous. If if this had been done by Nat Fife... Uh, oh, four weeks, eight weeks, eight weeks, The MRP is the world's most powerful random number generator that exists. <laughs> like, I reckon they've well, just I'd got like a dartboard for striking. Looking at that, that was careless contact with medium impact to the head. Fair enough. Yeah, and yeah. Some of the others as well. I thought Martin's a bit stiff for his. Yeah, Martin um, got two weeks. Contact, I think medium so. impact to the head. Yeah. What about? Uh, a little bit of a minor storm in a teacup, a very small teacup, and a very small storm over Adam Goods. Uh, maybe an attempt oh, in that... squirrel gripping. Yeah, I think it's the term. It didn't seem like anything to me, to be honest with you. But uh, it was yeah, enough. Was apparently, the the, apparently the match review panel still <laughs> came out and said, "Oh, we looked at it." <laughs> Why would the match review panel even look at that? Oh, so. Probably because it was in the media. I mean, a lot of people suggesting on forums and around the joint that they're quite heavily influenced, and it wouldn't surprise me at all. Mm. Court of public opinion, perhaps. Yeah. yeah. And well, would that come under this? Actually... Force, force was too low to constitute a report, <laughs> <laughs> and there's no classification for groin, you know, medium, head. <laughs> no, it's yeah. It, 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 there is, isn't there? Um, uh, it gets counted as head the same as head impact, isn't it? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I think it's the case here. But yeah, look, does anyone actually genuinely believe that that was a deliberate? Um, I don't know, whack to the groin or whatever you want to try and call it. Who knows? It's Adam Goods. <laughs> <laughs> now uh, it was it's perfect timing, regardless. Anyway, I mean, after all the shit storms that have happened recently, why not throw this in there too? It's good. Is 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 this? Is this the kind of thing that adds to his reputation as a dirty player? Oh, it doesn't help his uh, image. 
<laughs> perception, yeah, like you said, image, yeah. We'll we'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't want to open that can of worms, as it were. Gold Coast was in the news on the weekend, uh, obviously not just because of their uh, their performances and the drug scene, but apparently because it's a money pit. It's a colossal waste of the AFL's money, and uh, uh, Bill Kelty, former AFL commissioner. Uh, was on the AFL website saying that uh, the AFL had tried to do these things on the cheap um, when they set up the teams up there and that they basically tried to do things for less than they'd budgeted for. So when they said, look, we're going to supply $100 for each team, they actually tried to do it for less than that, but it is going to cost about that $100 And so there's been a lot of reports about how much money's been wasted away on the Gold Coast. And I want to say this much. Based on the figures being reported, and based on the amounts reported in the AFL annual report and the Gold Coast and GWS annual reports, Gold Coast is only, at the moment, they're, what, five years old? And they are taking... Uh, they are currently taking about $2 million more a year in additional AFL assistance than clubs like the Western Bulldogs are, with all their, with all their attendant benefits of being a Victorian club and an established club and the AFL assistance that they get there... I don't think that's too bad after five years, given their membership and crowd levels. So as someone who looks at this stuff a lot, Wookie, what's your, you know, take-home sort of 20 words or less message about the Gold Coast position? Are they um, tenable for the future or not? Gold Coast is definitely tenable. I have doubts about GWS, but Gold Coast, I mean, when you look at it, the amount of money that's been spent, they spent about $40 million in AFL distributions. Up there, but and they... hardly anything that's probably gone into their ground facilities because if you've ever seen how they're set up at that ground and their training facilities, that's they don't have much training money invested in terms th- of capital, in terms of tie-upping at that ground. So I think they're the last club in the that. league to still be using portables for training facilities. So I saw yeah. that. I saw that in an image on TV. I was like, is that a Circo hut? What the hell? Yeah, it's, it's, it's getting changed for 2018 because uh, it's part of the upgrades to Metricon for the Commonwealth Games, uh, for which... Uh, the Suns have to clear out for a couple of weeks while the games are on. but uh, So they will get upgraded facilities, but in the meantime, you know, they're the, this is the club This is a club that's using, like, uh, a wheelie bin for their ice baths and things like that, so it's... Seen uh, better facilities at the, um, like, a medium-term roadworks thing on the side of the road. Well, even GWS have better facilities now uh, with their new facilities uh, in the west out there. Not the ones at Blacktown, the new ones that they built. Uh, on the old golf course out there, I think. So, look, Gold Coast are going to... Do you think to... it's a bit unfair to have this probably money pit label attached to Gold Coast when you look at the GWS and what they could be pouring into that money pit, so to speak, is probably well, the worst the amount opposition. of money that's being poured in is in, into GWS is, at the moment, huge. GWS are making almost nothing from their uh, their memberships and their, their crowds at the moment. I think their total membership and crowd money for last... Uh, membership and gate receipts came in at like a million dollars, which is pathetically low. Um, but they are... Again, the, the club's basically four years old and they're in the hardest market for them to break into. Uh, even harder than Gold Coast. I mean, you're talking about a market that is rabidly NRL and... Uh, rugby union related and soccer related soccer yeah soccer in particular and so you know they're they're competing against and so they're going to have it the hardest of all i'm not entirely confident that they'll be there in 20 years gws i always thought that they um should have chosen a different location for um rather than the second expansion team being from sydney but i'm not so sure that people people were paid a lot of money to figure that shit out i suppose and decided it was the right thing it's based on the gross corridor that's supposed to be out there, but I'm not sure that gross yeah. corridor favours the AFL. They might have been better off going into Canberra if it was 20 years ago, but it's not. And yeah, that's right. I don't think it would be tenable in Canberra. They probably should have gone Gold Coast and Tasmania, in my opinion. Tasmania would have made money, and it would have covered the money going into into the Gold Coast. So, But, mm. you know, there's this perception that TV rights in the northern states pay a big part uh, through viewing figures and everything like that. And I'm not sure that that's true either, given the viewing figures in uh, Queensland are pretty low, to be honest. <laughs> and uh, They're even lower in New South Wales for the Suns. So, yeah, it's it's it's, um, it's a confusing... Look, Gold Coast, uh, they have a very good stadium deal. Um, they operate the stadium up there. 
so they get all the revenue that goes in and they pay rent and a sinking fund for the use of the stadium. It's a flat rent. I'm not entirely sure how much it is. But that basically, if there's concerts held there, if there's cricket held there, all year round, they get the revenue. They're the only club in the league that does. They get 100% of the revenue from the stadium. So That's pretty impressive. It's a, it's a, it's a, well, the AFL had to pay $20 million to get it. Mm. But, you know, and, and ironically, there was a report the other day, well, a couple of weeks ago, that the AFL... And, uh, if they'd put more money into Adelaide Oval, they could they could have probably had a veto there. So <laughs> it's um yeah, and we we might be going off on a tangent here as well. But um, what's what's the go with uh, Eddie had as well? Is it the, uh, the AFL is able to purchase that? And I think they're going to do that at the end of the year. Was the last I heard? It's still a couple of years years to go, and I think they're buying it out or something. Or you have the option to. Yeah, I thought they were going to bring it forward. Yeah, it's a question of whether it's worth it. Uh, whether it's worth. Because in, in 2025, they get the stadium for a dollar. And it has to be fully upgraded. Yeah. Like it has to be state-of-the-art, fully maintained, no debt attached or anything. like. And that's in 2025. At the moment, it's probably cheaper to just keep paying the clubs off with uh, revenue assistance than it will be to go into debt to pay off Etihad Stadium. Now you're looking at $150, $200 million to pay off Eddie had stadium at the moment uh, to buy Eddie had stadium and the remainder of its contract. So it's it's probably worth it just to keep paying the clubs as it is. But whether the clubs can afford that is another story. So fun stuff. I don't I don't think they will buy it. I I, I think they'll wait and just keep assisting the clubs as it is. Yeah, fair enough. All right, well, yeah, just very quickly, uh, contract signings this week. Uh, Jack Rewalt has signed for three years with Richmond, taking him off the free agency list. I'm sure there was somebody else, but I can't remember who. Um, Seppo Morabito has uh, wandered off overseas, apparently, at the end, towards the end of his contract, not coming back. Yeah, for the second time, he, he did this last year after he hurt his knee. He's like in the, uh, the Menzel car- um, category of... Ridiculous amounts of uh, ACL and knee surgeries, and he got a couple of games in mid last year, and then towards the end of the year it started to flare up and have bone bruising, and um, they sent him off overseas and just had a lot of time off, and now it's got to the stage again where it's more bone bruising and seeing specialists, and I just saw an Instagram post from him before, and he's off in Barcelona at the moment, so they're obviously just trying to get him through, and I'm not sure if it will be curtains at the end of the year or be off to the rookie list or maybe just give him another year and year until he comes through because obviously spending a lot of time with him so they do value him and he was a first round pick and even that little game he came back and the way he was playing at Peel in between was um, looking really good but it's it's amazing how, how much support probably players like this with injury are actually getting from the club these days and it's it's good to see they're doing their uh, part to you know give him every chance but mm. it, it may be just too hard to continue to do this year on year and same things reoccurring that long. Yeah, and Shandog Henderson, a bit of positive talk coming out of the Blues about his possible contract signing. Yeah, I don't know what to make of it, though, to be honest with you. There's so many um, uh, things that you just end up, you know, having to ignore um, because it turns out later that they're wrong, that I just sort of take it with a grain of salt for now and I'll just wait, see what happens. Mm. And interesting comments from Collingwood that they could fit Paddy Dangerfield under their salary cap if they wanted. Um, Yeah, well... I don't think he's interested in going there at all. Um, he he's, he wants to go home. That's the talk. And uh, home for him is pretty close to Geelong, apparently. So, It's funny. That, it's probably a throwaway statement, really, because any club could probably say they could fit Dangerfield into their salary cap, but that probably screws you know, everyone else on their list. or yeah, future plans, you know, for, yeah. Future plans and everything like that. So there's probably a lot more clubs just in pies that can sort of throw out that statement under the salary cap because I'm sure there's a lot more clubs that aren't paying 100% of the salary cap and could be sitting at 95 or whatever the minimum is that they're at. And, uh... You see, I'm very cynical of all this media stuff and I, I just look at these articles and I go, I, I wonder whether or not, uh, who, who's driven this article? Is it, yeah, is there an agenda behind a player manager or someone trying to increase his price or... Exactly, <laughs> you know. <laughs> just can't trust it and that's why the same with the Henderson thing I just go I don't know who's uh, putting this information out there for what reason so I'll just put it in the whatever basket and move on alrighty let's get stuck into round 14 and Thursday night footy continues with Sydney and Port Adelaide at the SCG it's uh, a big game 
for Port. It's, this is one that we highlighted at the start of the year, Wookie, that it is mm. the first time we've had none of the big four um, Victorian sides actually occupying the, not the, the Friday night time slot, so to speak, but the first game of the round. So mm. it's taken this many rounds, 14 rounds in, to get a non-big you know, four Victorian sides, the Essendon, Richmond, Carlton... Port are never going to get a better chance to beat the Swans this year. I don't think. Uh, no, 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 Frank, <clears throat> no Franklin, no Tippett. Uh, those guys won't be playing this weekend. So, still at the SCG, I reckon the Swans for this. Really? Can't argue with that. That's that's pretty tough. Oh, I would have. I'm giving power a big, big chance. Really? Um, I see the Swans brought in Mike Pike and uh, Toby Nankervis. Well, so my, that's my two Pike's Ruckman. a big in. Hey? Mike Pike's a big in, though. He is. So is Patrick Ryder for power. Yeah, that's and true. And they've omitted they've Kane Mitchell, who was Carlton's best player um, when we played them two <laughs> weeks ago. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I think the power's every chance. I mean, Swans have just had a loss, uh, power coming off the, the bye, and, and they're very keen for a win. I think it's going to be a great match. Yeah, last time these two sides played, the Swans defeated Port Adelaide at Adelaide Oval. 92 to 44. And the Swans are uh, favourite at this for, at $1.55. Mm. Collingwood have Hawthorne Friday night. Big game. Big game in terms of ladder positions. Fifth versus uh, fourth. So, Collingwood Hawthorne, guys. I reckon I would go Hawthorne on this one. Hawthorne by a narrow margin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't get past them, would you? Really? Hmm. You'd think so. Bit, bit if Messenger would hear, I'd tip Collingwood. But so would I. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, if, if Messenger was here, the tips would all change. But um, <laughs> uh, 13, so it's going to be relatively cold and wet on uh, on Friday night. Uh, Hawthorne favourites for this at $1.27. Last time they played, round 23 last year, Hawthorne defeated Collingwood by about 70, well, 65 points, so... Should be interesting. Moving along to Saturday, and it's Richmond v GWS in the blockbuster at the <laughs> MCG. <laughs> GWS are obviously occupying Richmond's spot in ninth, so mm. it's a fair trade-off these two sides. And you know, Richmond that were struggling at the start of the year, that have had a great run of form, and GWS that started well, they're starting to taper off. So this is kind of like a sliding doors <laughs> moment, one side going one way and one going the other. So yeah. and you know technically you should see a good Richmond win, but knowing Richmond, they'll do the opposite of what everyone everyone else is thinking at the moment. Yeah, exactly. Right. Richmond favourites, so clearly the Giants are going to win. <laughs> and if the Crows and the Bulldogs win, which are a good chance, that basically swaps their positions and Richmond jump into ninth. Like, this is the universe telling us something. So yeah. GWS I'd... with no defence... Really, no experienced defenders at they all. They are at the depleted sides. So, they caught some massive injuries over the last few weeks. It's probably been, led to their slide down. As much as it pains me, I'll have to tip Richmond for this one. No defenders. I reckon this is a um, <laughs> perfect opportunity for Jack Rewall to go missing again. <laughs> uh, speaking of missing, Gold Coast have North Melbourne on Saturday afternoon in the twilight slot there at Metricon Stadium, um, which is, oddly enough, seems to be favoured by people on the Gold Coast. But uh, Gary Ablett reported to be coming back for this, uh, but they said that last week too. So last time they played, Gold Coast flogged North Melbourne by 43 points at Etihad Stadium in round seven last year. 18th versus 11th this game with North Melbourne heavily favoured. Yeah, I can't see Gold Coast getting up. Bit Even wet. if Ablett comes in and has a stunning, you know, stellar one-game performance back, I think North probably just has a bit too much class over the field to cover mm. Suns. Yeah. I don't know how bad their injury list is still, but you'd imagine that North have them covered, even though it's up there. And if it's anything like that Frio game that we played up there at 4.30pm, if it's Dewey and mm. they can play down to their level, you never it's know. Possible showers, apparently, in 19, so... That's not the standard weather report that the AFL provides us no, for every no, game, right. is it? <laughs> <laughs> no, they said it'll fix that sunny. bug. That was, uh, <laughs> that was my favourite bug for weeks. Yeah. Uh, Saturday night, this game going live across the country. Western Bulldogs play Carlton at Etihad Stadium. Um, I've got my money on an upset here. In fact, uh, it's uh, $1.52 to two fifty-five. Bulldogs favour for this. 
Last time they played, Carlton won by 28 points in round five last year. And we were pretty shit then, so... There's no reason why you can't do it again. I reckon we can beat them again. Eighth versus 16th. Carlton on the way back, in my own professional opinion. Uh, playing some good footy. I think they're going to win. Seppo? You're oh, on. I'm going Carlton. Why not? Jump on board. That's right. Get, get on, on the, the bandwagon. Manager. Get on a good thing. Get on the bandwagon. You're smelling what we're cooking. That's yep. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, the other game on uh, Saturday night, Melbourne versus West Coast. This game at TIO Stadium in Darwin. Um, I'm sure they enjoy that trip. Uh, West Coast heavily favoured here at $1.25. The Demons at $4. Last time these teams played, West Coast defeated Melbourne at Subiaco Oval by 66 points. So, 15 It's good to see Melbourne make a good fist of it, though. 15th yeah. versus 2nd. Melbourne coming off a good win against Geelong at the Cattery. So. West Coast will uh, reinstate their flat track bully label here, even though it's played in uh, neutral territory up in Northern Territory. But you watch, they'll come out there. Josh Kennedy will kick a bag of 12,000 and, and West Coast will get the win. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something else there for a minute. Essendon have St Kilda on Sunday afternoon at Etihad Stadium in a massive game for both sides. Uh, this is 13th versus 14th, so it's not exactly the match of the round. But uh, last time... Well, it is in terms of context and what could come out, because I reckon if Essendon mm. lose this, there will be torches and pitchforks coming out and the focus on herd, because really this is the type of game at the start of the season that Essendon fans would say, yep, we're going to win this one, and I know they've, I think they've got Melbourne coming up as well. If they lose this one and the next, they could be uh, swinging by Carlton and just waving on their way down the ladder and, uh, as they shoot up. So <laughs> Round this, five. This could spell the end of herd. You never know. Round five, these two sides played last. Uh, Essendon winning by just two points over St Kilda Ooh. in round five there. Adelaide have Geelong at Adelaide Oval on Sunday afternoon in uh, a relatively decent game. I think. Yeah, you'd have to Still think that uh, the Crows are going to be the favourites here. Seventh versus tenth. Should be a good day. Uh, Geelong beat Adelaide last time these two sides played in round one, 2014, apparently. <laughs> so, been, a, been a while between drinks here, that game at uh, at Simmons Stadium. And, uh, yeah, it was a 28-point margin there. But, look, I don't think you can use that to determine who's going to win this game between the two. I think Adelaide on the up here, but I think Geelong might come back with a vengeance after last week. So, I think Dangerfield will forget which team he's on for a, for a moment. <laughs> He'll run to the uh, wrong huddle. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I reckon the Crows will get up on this. Yeah. Home ground advantage uh, if they get to their forwards in form. You know, I think the Cats will have a tough time getting over them. I know the Cats pushed Port Adelaide a couple of weeks ago when they played there, but really, if, if Geelong play like they did as good as your last game against Melbourne at home, I can't see them troubling Adelaide. Adelaide probably just got a bit too much class now at their home home ground there, and from the game that I witnessed Adelaide playing there, they're going to be a, a tough side to beat, so I'm going to go Adelaide. Mm. I'm going to go Adelaide for this one as well. Danger game for the Dockers on, <laughs> on Sunday <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> Uh, the line's at $13, so you put your hard-earned pennies down on that one. Uh, last time these sides played, Fremantle defeated Brisbane at the Gabba by a large margin, 50, <laughs> po- 66 points, 68 points. So We've been smashing. I think Frio currently have the biggest winning streak over Brisbane. I thought it might have been the Eagles, but it's actually over Brisbane. We haven't lost to them in a long time, and we've actually kept them to a ridiculous low amount of scores, and I think we actually hold a a record for the least inside 50s in a game was the last time, I think, or the time before Brisbane played us in one of those epically low, um, I think it was back in 2012, where we beat them 64 to 35 or... Look, one of even when they only kicked 22 points one game. They had one point up until half-time. So I don't know who they I know they've if... lost Martin in the rush, and Hanley's done a hammy. He's one of their better players. So they are coming over with, uh, I don't know if Rockliffe's back or not, but with, with a couple of players like Beams and um, 
Dorco and the others, they're probably up against it, but it will be interesting to see how much we're going to win by. Yeah, yeah it sounds like if uh, Brisbane had any forwards, they'd be very concerned about uh, how much ball they're going to get fed. Indeed. But uh, since they don't, it's probably not an issue. Uh, look, Frio smash them. Frio by miles. Frio by miles. Yeah. Oh, I just guys... want dry weather. We've played in uh, four weeks of wet and dewy weather, and I think a lot was raised of uh, our game last week, and lots of players slipping over, and coach having a go at the uh, players for using moulded instead of screwing studs, and I just want some dry weather footy because it's been shocking these last few weeks, and oh, I just want some dry, dry football. Mm, indeed. All right, guys, your highlights for the weekend. Uh, what are you looking forward to? I'll go up and I'll just go d- touch back on the point of uh, the Essendon St Kilda game and what that might do for, for that club. It's the, the next club and next coach in the spotlight and the media sharks are circling and there's blood in the water and if that side loses, it's uh, it's game on. But I think if uh, Essendon win, things will just go back to normal and, and we'll move on. So I'm going to pay a bit of focus to that game then. It's going to be a, a cracker and good for Saints supporters if they actually get up and notch five wins because there was a lot of people at the start of the year saying Saints win, win more than four and all of a sudden we're not you know just over the halfway point they could have five wins under their belt which would be fantastic for the club mm. Seppo no me. he just went I'll have a go sorry um, <laughs> <laughs> now look I, I agree I think that's going to be a fantastic match to watch and other than uh, my own teams obviously the, the Bulldogs and Blues I'm really keen for the Thursday and Friday night matches I think there's going to be great football you know really interesting so um yeah, hoping to see Collingwood get smashed in a good tight game, the Swans and Port. Yeah, Friday night for me, but uh, it's it's going to be the Blues. Blues getting up over the Dogs. We're going to go three in a row for the first time in a while. Setting our sights on Richmond the week after. Don't you worry, Tigers fans, we're coming for you. That's, uh, that's what I'm looking forward to the most. Just before we sign off, very quickly on Twitter, Tom Liberatore apparently in some trouble at the Western Bulldogs, according to Damian Barrett, so take that or leave it. Apparently, uh, an incident, a partying incident three weeks ago, uh, and he has been called into the club's leadership over that. James Hurd apparently missed a meeting of all the AFL coaches last night at Gillan McLaughlin's house. Again, according to Damien Barrett, so take that or leave it. And that's about it for tonight, uh, for the main part of the podcast. Coming up, we're going to be talking to... Uh, the head of the AFL Fans Association. So stick around for that. Thank you very much, Seppo. No worries. And thank Pleasure you very on. Thank you, thank you very much, uh, Shandog, for coming on again. No worries. Thanks, guys. And that'll be it from me. We'll see you all on the forums. Ladies and gentlemen, for the second half of the podcast tonight, we're talking to Jerry Eamon, and he is the new president of the AFL Fans Association. Uh, that's right, isn't it? You're... You're the president? That's right. That's <laughs> me. Yeah, I'm president since November last year. So I guess newish now, or maybe even not so new anymore. Jerry, the important questions. Who do you support? I support the Swannies. I uh, grew up in Canberra and Sydney. And uh, I used to go to many Swans games at the SCG and then moved down to Melbourne about 10 years ago. And you're a Swans member, are you, Jerry? I am, yeah. Okay. Well, that's a good start. <laughs> how you how you seen the Swans travelling this year? Ah, uh, pretty good. I uh, looked pretty good up until the weekend just passed when they lost to Richmond. Um, up until then, I was thinking, well, probably you know, it would be surprised to, to not make the grand final, not necessarily win, but um, definitely right up there. But just with that second half fade out that I saw on Friday night, I was actually. Uh, quite surprised by that and I, I don't know how how I mean it's you, you're going to lose some games but it's more so you know it's more in the manner that you lose them and I think uh, if you look at Hawthorne for example they've lost more games this year but I don't think they've lost games in the same manner that like a, a, a genuine fade out where a team's just run over the top of them mm. um, yeah so I'm a bit unsure after last last week but I still think we'll be Definitely a top fourteen. Right, Jerry, you're the as as we said, you're the president of the Fans Association. What exactly is the Fans Association? Sure, the, the, the AFL Fans Association was set up basically to provide uh, a central voice for fans. Um, the idea being that there's a, there's a body that represents coaches, a body that represents players, 
body that represents everyone it seems apart from the biggest stakeholder which which is fans so um i think i wasn't there at the very inception but um what what i've gathered is guys who put the organization together felt that there was a need to there would be more clout if there was a united voice if there was something uh a body an organization that represented fans that um it would be more powerful and easier to be listened to um and i think you know that there's probably been a fans a growing disconnect that fans have felt over the last 10 years or certainly a lot large proportion of them um and i think you know providing a a, a a voice for those fans so it was a really important thing okay so what are your goals as the for the fans association the goals I, uh, I guess you know the goals are in general if you like to represent fans concerns whatever they might be so whether they're food prices whether they're entry to access to grand final tickets um, whether you know clubs aren't treating their members well Whatever they are, it's it's to do that. It, it's really to, to provide a um, representation to fans as issues come up. So, I mean, specific issues, you know, we're pushing hard for um, a greater allocation of, of seats to members at the grand final. We're, we're pushing hard for, for other stadiums to fall in line with um, the MCG in terms of food pricing. Um and bringing the game back to fans, not not sanitising the the fan experience too much, um, and you know, giving giving listening, making sure that the fans' voice is, is heard. Okay, so on to the uh, issues that affect the fans then. Yep. And one of the, I mean, the AFL is calling this the year of the fan, and they've yep. they've put in a number of initiatives to back that up and one of those as you mentioned is the the variable pricing on food and yep. the mcg obviously discounting things by a decent margin and yep. on a number of items and eddie had uh like cutting the price on its pies and stuff like that on a sunday and doing free yep. entry for kids under 15 and things like that and yet these things aren't transferring to uh, venues outside the state when we did our survey on big footy 42 percent of our respondents basically said look the year of the fan isn't mattering to us because we're not in victoria yeah yeah and look i think that, that that's a fair point um certainly in terms of food pricing it's you know it's really it's only the mcg that's really i guess taken that issue on board eddie had has as well but it is only in sundays and it is only in certain foods on sundays so it does feel a bit gimmicky um, and certainly all the stadiums around Australia haven't really, you know, that they've just kept uh, their prices as is. There's been no budge, um, you know, and, and the prices are really exorbitant. Um, Domain Stadium and Adelaide Oval, I mean, they're just way, way too high for what you're getting. I know that the caterers at the MCG were keen to... Uh see if they could do... Um, uh, sorry, Eddie had in the MCG, they were keen to try and explore doing that at other venues. But mm. the venues themselves and the venue managers were like, no, we can't do that. We can't... Cut. Especially in Adelaide, where they were just astonished by the whole thing. Mm. And they were like, well, we don't get how they're doing that in the first place. Um, you know, and, and there's just no chance. And that's not being shot down by the AFL. I don't think it's the AFL that's saying... Right. I, I, it's the venues themselves that are out to make every cent that they can. And there's yep. been some expressions in recent weeks from the Queen, uh, from the WA government, over whether the AFL is trying to force them to allow uh, supporters to bring in their own food, and presumably to try and get some of those concessions extended to the new Perth Stadium. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and they have about as much chance of that happening as there was at Adelaide. So, yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah. I'm not sure it's just. Uh, I'm not sure it's going to be possible to extend those across the board when. Uh, They've got different managers who basically are out to make as much money as they can. Yeah, look, my, my thoughts on that are that it is actually possible. And, and I, I appreciate there are contracts in place that uh, different contracts are in place that say things need to be sold at a certain price, etc., etc. But, you know, as was seen by the MCG example, things can be renegotiated. And they get renegotiated 
when powerful people start using their influence. Um, I've got no doubt in the case of, let's say, Adelaide Oval, uh, if the the AFL and the South Australian government was to lobby hard to have a reduction in prices and to renegotiate the contracts uh, to, to affect that end... I, I'm sure we would see we would see some movement there. Um, it's it's. I think there is a tendency sometimes by the AFL to say, "Oh, it's it's too hard. The, the contracts are you know they're, they're set in stone." But it that 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 seems to be a little bit convenient. And 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 you know, ironically, the the AFL did apply some pressure on the MCG, and and you know, we did see a um, we did see their prices reduced, and they would have had all those same contracts with the caterers um, uh, that are in place in, in other stadiums around Australia. I think part of the problem in Victoria, though, was that the, uh, the attendances dropped last year yep. uh, across the board in Victoria. And so there was a perception that dropping some prices and doing some different things would bring some of those crowds back. Yeah. Whereas in Adelaide, that problem didn't really exist because the stadium was a year old. Crowds were way up. And the other yeah. problem they have is that the stadium manager during the football season is the Sample who need to make as much money as possible mm. to keep their own state clubs running and they're very inflexible on matters like catering mm. and the mm. AFL has very little power over that because uh, their contracts require those games to be played at Adelaide Oval there's nowhere else to play those games mm. they're kind of locked into that now I'm not sure that there is as much uh, room for movement as you might think uh, in terms of the, the stadium contract at Adelaide Oval Look, I, I, I hear what you're saying, but I, I, I think that w- when pressure is, is being duly applied, um, you know, things can move. There, there's been a renegotiation, you know, within the last year uh, with, the Adelaide, with Adelaide Oval in terms of ensuring that the Crows and the Power get a better deal. Um, now, that's a big contract that was in place that's been changed mm. now if, if such a big contract can, can be changed uh because there's a perceived need to I, i'm I, I i'm sure other contracts can follow the problem is i think that in negotiating that return they've kind of literally cemented the pricing in the catering because there's no way that this uh the sandfield can let that kind of revenue go without making it up somehow and the only way they can do that mm. is through catering so mm. I mean, I hear what I, I, you're saying, and I would yeah. I would like to think that it could be negotiated. I'd, I'd like to think that pressure can be bought, but the way the Adelaide Oval contract appears to be written is that all power lies with the Sandfield to determine all of that during mm. that period. There's literally no power uh, held by the state government, mm. even look, in terms I, of the lease. It's a weird. I, it's I a appreciate weird contract. as well that the Sandfield and and you know these they need to make money. I I, I completely. I, I, understand and appreciate that mm. it, it it's a it's about striking a balance i of guess course. between making money and not disenfranchising the very people that are making you that money in the first place mm. now the other thing that the afl has done is uh they, they've played around with the led lighting and mm. uh done some light shows and fancy things at the mcg and at eddie had in particular um these follow things done it well they're modeled on basically things that port adelaide mm. did at adelaide yep. oval last year Yep. And how have you seen that? Uh, is that working? Is that not working? Um, look, probably the general consensus, the feedback that we've had from fans ha- hasn't been that positive about it. I, um, a lot of fans find the lighting too, too bright. Uh, they find it's distracting when it's moving, whizzing around on the ground when the play's happening. And they can find as well another comment that's been as the music uh, between goals, etc., between in, in the quarters is, is too loud. I think um, Port Adelaide set a really good example last year, um, but I think you know part of the fan experience at Port Adelaide, which was which was so good, was a they'd moved to a new stadium, which was was great, and they were playing really exciting football. You know, they were playing an attacking style of football, um, and it was really working. Um, and people loved seeing it. Um, I don't know whether, I mean, the Port fans were necessarily um, 
coming in their droves because of the LED lighting. Um, I'd be, I'd be, you know, curious to hear more from Port fans on that because certainly the feedback in relation to how it's gone in, in Victoria hasn't hasn't been that that uh, positive. Mm. Yeah, I don't live in Melbourne anymore, so I can't honestly say I've seen it, and I don't go to Adelaide Oval very often because mm. I'm a Carlton supporter. <laughs> but uh, yeah. The the reports are generally that the sound was too loud and the, the, the lights were too bright at the start and then they did some adjustments to that and that seems to have uh, had some effect. I think it's people just getting used to something that they haven't seen uh, before to a large extent as well. Perhaps, perhaps. But, um, you know. I think, I think with the LED lighting, you know, the way our eyesight works is that you are always attracted to moving things and that's mm. why they've started making ads that move in the same way that, you know, when you're sitting in a pub and there's a little corner in the TV, little corner in the back of the pub with the TV on, you find your, your eyes naturally drawn to it. Um, and I guess what you, when you're watching the footy, what some people can find is that they're trying to concentrate in the footy, but they find themselves constantly drawn to these moving ads. Um, and they can find that somewhat distracting. But whether, whether it's just a matter of getting used to it, maybe, you know, I, I, I think that they... All the feedback seems to be that they were too bright. I do know that they've dimmed them somewhat. Um, whether that's now going to become acceptable and, and whether people are getting used to them, I, I guess you know we'll, we'll have a better feeling of that coming into the season. Mm. Now, for all of these initiatives and, and you know children getting in free kick to kick after the ground uh, after the, after some games and, and things like that, the crowds are only up. Not, uh, crowds are actually down ninety two per game over the season mm. um, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm just not entirely sure that people are sold on it yet although part of that, a good part of that is going to be based on the performance levels of some teams, particularly mine uh, when my team is down it yep. tends to drag league averages down a little does. bit does. so I think yeah, we'll see a bit of a turnaround in the second half of the season but at yep. the moment on the first half of the season's results it does seem that uh, people aren't buying into it which Leads me to the bigger problem, and that's TV. Um, mm. And I know I sent you these figures earlier in the day, but uh, you know, free-to-air TV ratings are down six percent. Foxtel ratings are down eight percent across the board. They're down eleven percent. What's to be done about that? Mm. Um, look, I, I guess a comment on TV figures is, I think when people are generally disillusioned with the game, so if they're turning up they go to a couple of games and there are things there that are annoying them. They find the music too loud. They, they find there's too much betting advertising. Um, they find that the food is really exorbitantly priced. When they go home, I don't, I think that disenchantment with the game carries through. So I think they're also less likely to watch TV because they're somewhat annoyed at the whole sport, basically. Mm. Um, so I think that that's a factor um, in terms of how to how to lift them. I mean, I, I think the only thing that the, the AFL, what the AFL should do, is, is if, if you get the fan experience as good as you can at the ground, um, fans are more likely to, I guess, be engaged with the competition as a whole. And I think you, you'd find a flow-on effect mm. uh, at on, on television numbers. The other thing is that AFL memberships, and I know that there's you know speculation as to how they're compiled and how many of them are three-game mm-hmm. ones and how many of them aren't access memberships and things like that. Yeah. The AFL started counting them all, all memberships, as basically one big figure for public release uh, uh, two years ago. Mm-hmm. And on the basis of the raw figures, uh, the AFL sets another record this year for membership, uh, up about 30,000 on last year. Yep. Um, 11 teams have set membership records this year. Uh, another two, uh, St Kilda and Brisbane, have beaten their margins for last year. Uh, Carlton and uh, Melbourne came within less than 500 of uh, beating their record for last year as well. Mm, mm. It's um, it, it, it does mm. it does seem to think that paying people, like financially supporting members, are quite happy to keep paying. Um. Well. 
I, I think you've got to be careful with the membership figures. I, look, I'll give you an example. I work at Victoria University. Um, any student at Victoria University is entitled to a free three-game membership of the Western Bulldogs. Yep. Now, I don't know how many students there are at Victoria University, but there are thousands. Um, I know that other clubs have similar things where memberships are free. So I guess, you know, I it, it's it's hard to see through what these memberships really are. How many of them are people paying paying their dues or and, and how many are just, you know, people thinking, Oh well it's free, I'll sign up. That's pretty easy. It's gonna take mm. me it's gonna take me I mean I, I, I got a, a Bulldogs membership because I worked there and it took me Five seconds of my time, I put my name down and signed, yeah, and, and that was it. So I don't know. It, it's the dis- disconnect between membership numbers and I guess overall trends in crowds and uh, TV numbers. We've kind of got to be a bit, little bit careful relying too heavily on membership numbers because we're. It's a little bit hard to. I haven't yet seen a really a proper solid breakdown of how many of these members are fully fee paying. Um, so I'm, I'm just a little bit... I, I kind of take membership figures a little bit with, with a, a grain of salt, I guess. For the, for the most part, the AFL releases an audit, uh, generally in August of its month, which tells us who, who are access members and who are non-access members. But mm-hmm. like you say, access members include three-game yep. people, and if they're getting those memberships for free, then it's not, you know, not necessarily uh-huh. uh, going to do anything in terms of actual you know, club support. But mm. uh, the other thing, the other means of measuring this is by the the revenue that those memberships actually bring into the club, which we find out pretty much annually every mm-hmm. February to March when those clubs release uh, annual reports. And so we, we have some idea based on previous years, but we don't have any idea on this year, I guess, and we won't know mm. that until the end of the year. But yeah. I mean, the figures are up, which is what the AFL wants to report, and, and clubs want to report to their, their sponsors and and yep. uh, you know, generally have shots at each other about, I suppose. So, yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. Look, I think. I mean, we we want the game to thrive. So you know, I, I think anyone who's passionate about footy wants wants the game to grow as much as it, as it can. So, I mean, I I, I like hearing whenever I read. Uh, figures that, that are showing members are up. I um, I'm always heartened to hear it because I think you know the more I guess closer you become to the club you support, the, the more you get out of the game and the, the healthier the game is. Mm. Okay, so the AFL Fans Association. How do you be involved in it? Like, how can you be involved in it? Mm. Um, look, what, what, we're essentially a lobby group. Um, a lobby group that's about spruiking the the interest of fans. How we do that is we, we regularly talk to media. We regularly release press releases. Uh, we have regular conversations with um, a range of uh, radio, TV and print journalists. Um, you know, the, the, the way you can put pressure on, on the powers that be these days is really by making sure that, that, that your voice is heard. Um, and, you know, organisations like the AFL, like clubs, stadiums, they're, they're all sensitive to being criticised. So, you know, if there's a, if there's a valid reason to criticise them, um, we make sure that that's, that that's heard, that, that criticism's heard. By the same token, we, we also make, make a point of making sure that when we see something uh, being done that we consider um, a, a good, positive improvement, we make sure that our voice is heard in the, on those occasions as well. Okay, and how have the, the AFL taken the Fans Association? Is there any communication? Uh, um, there's been some. There's been some. Um, look, it's it's probably fair to say that the AFL in general is not an organisation that likes being criticised. I think anyone you know who's had any dealings with the AFL would be aware of that. And... They generally also prefer to control the narrative wherever possible. So I think 
for them, the Fans Association is probably a, a thorn in their side um, because they recognise that we, we do... We do, media do come to us. They do come to, to us and, and, and seek our opinions. And, you know, we do have access to a lot of opinions through fans commenting on our, on our Facebook and also uh, writing to us um, directly uh, via email. Um, so, look, I, I think the way they view us, in, in short, is, is, is a bit of a, is a, pain, a thorn in their side, which they're not too sure how to handle. Okay. What do you think are the biggest issues that are going to face AFL fans that the AFL will need to address in the next couple of years? Um, look, looking into my crystal ball, some, something that I'm, something the whole committee of the AFL Fans Association is very concerned about is, is variable pricing. Last year we had an introduction of variable pricing and the AFL controlled it. What they've done this year is they haven't gotten rid of variable pricing. They've said, here, clubs, you can control variable pricing. So clubs can now set all the prices of tickets to their games, to their home games. Now, it's only one year in, um, but I, I, I really worry about where that will lead to in a few years. Clubs are, often need more money and... You know, when they need to generate more income, it's going to be one of the first places they look, um, and that—that's a you know, that—that's a concern. It, it's where prices will get to. Um, you, you see, um, certainly in Melbourne, for example, the MCG, the categories of ticket prices are, are, are escalating. There's all these different categories now, um, and you know, the, the cheap seats are always way up high in the Great Southern Stand, and. The, and I worry about that in general. Um, I want to be about, worry about access to games in uh, places like WA and South Australia. Um, you know, fans actually just being able to go see their team. Um, there seems to be uh, not much room for a lot of games to, to, to just be able to go see your team play. Um, the grand final ticket, ticket allocation is a big one. You know, it, it's, I think we forget about that every time the grand final goes. Um, but it's something that, that I know is really close to the hearts of a lot of fans and, and certainly the, the association that, that you get such a massive swathe of people who miss out on tickets every year um, because there's all these seats taken by, by corporates and, and people who don't go for either team. Um, I, I think that's really sad. I think that's... Uh, you know that that's a real indictment on the AFL. That that's something they they've really they've really got to do something about that. Okay. Now, is there anything else that you want to talk about before we go? Like um, anything that we haven't brought up? Any last look, thoughts? I guess I can talk just generally about the fan experience this year um, and the feedback we've had. Um, go for it. So. There's been kick-to-kick introduced into some games, but uh, it's only been some games, and there's a lot of stadiums around Australia where it's still not part of uh, the game day experience. And I think that that would... It's it's something that parents and kids really like, and it would be great to bring that in as a blanket rule. Um, I think the other thing we've got to do is get the prices right, get the prices right in the stadiums. And, you know, it, I appreciate these things aren't easy to do, but at least if you're recognising that it's a problem and putting it on the table, that it will be addressed at the next available opportunity, whenever that might be. Um, I, I think that would win, that would, uh, win a lot of fans' uh, favour if the AFL were to take such steps. I think timing is a bit better this year. The timing of games is better. We've gotten rid of Monday night games, which seem to be pretty unpopular. Um, so that, that that's a, a good move. Um, there's probably a, the issue about when to, when to play grand final. The, the overwhelming majority of people want it kept in the day. Whether it'll go to night time, well, we'll see. I mean, it seems like it's something that's been considered in relation to the next TV rights. Um, and look, that, that's, they're the main things. A very interesting um, 
we put, we put a call out to our Facebook followers. We've got over 5,000 Facebook followers and we put a call out as to different um, things that uh, issues that were concerning fans. An interesting one that came up, um, which seems to be gathering momentum, is actually a feeling amongst fans that 50-metre penalties are overused and possibly as a penalty is too, too great a penalty, that it should be a shorter penalty. And that, that's an interesting one too. It's, um, it's something that I, um, is, I'm seeing a lot more feedback very recently. Um, so, look, that, that might be something for the AFL to consider as well. Cool. Well, I've been talking to Jerry Eamon, the president of the AFL Fans Association, and you can find out a lot more about the AFL Fans Association at their website at www.aflfans.org.au. Thanks very much for coming on, Jerry. A pleasure, Jason. Thanks for your time.